We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up? I'm B, and whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast, I hope you're having an amazing day. Today we are going to be reacting to another video from Milena Ciciotti. You know, the year's coming to a close. We're in December. People tend to start feeling a little bit reflective this time of year, and Milena apparently is feeling that way because she posted a video a few weeks ago called The Most Insightful Year of My Life. And the reason that I was drawn to this video specifically is because in the thumbnail, it's a picture of her and then the text just says, I hit rock bottom. And I was like, oh, okay, let's hear about it. I am not entirely sure what all is going to be discussed in this video, but if I had to guess, she's probably going to talk quite a bit about her faith journey, maybe her marriage, maybe losing friends or being pruned to remove certain things from her life. Who knows? Like those are just kind of the things that I'm predicting might pop up throughout the course of this video. And uh, the only way to find out is to actually watch it. So let's go ahead and do that. Before we get into the reaction, let's do win for the week. If you are new around here, a win for the week is where you share something positive that happened to you over the past week that you would consider a win. Something big or small, whatever it may be, if it made you happy, if it brought you joy, if it made you feel grateful. I want to hear about it and celebrate with you. And if you are watching the YouTube version of this, you can leave it in the comment section. Or if you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, you can leave it in the Q&A for this particular episode. My win for the week is that I finally scheduled and went to my annual wellness exam. I don't know what happened. 2023 just kind of like slipped through my fingers and I, I haven't had my annual appointment yet. I'm usually really good about keeping up on stuff like that, especially as someone who has a chronic illness. Like I, I do not hesitate to go to the doctor. So again, not sure what happened, but I was like, Hey, it's December and I haven't had this. I should probably go just have a checkup, make sure everything looks good. See if there's anything concerning and uh, make sure that I am staying on top of taking care of me. And uh, so I did that. I scheduled the appointment. I went. I consider that a win, and I cannot wait to hear your win and celebrate with you. Now, let's get into this reaction. What kind of arc is God currently asking me to build that seems impassable, that seems crazy, that seems just so ludicrous to the world? And am I building that arc? Or am I running away like Jonah in a Claus ho 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 moment? And I literally just gave it to him. Okay, so we've got a verse on the screen and it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for a you serve the Lord Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 24. Obviously we've got a little typo in there, but mistakes happen, so I am not going to uh, spend too much time on that. I just turned 27 and boy do I feel like I learned a whole lot in my 26th year of life. And today I wanted to share those with you. This First of all, happy belated birthday, Milena. I hope you had a great day. 
I did see some pictures from your birthday celebration and um, how you chose to dress up with your family and your friends was a choice. They, I don't remember the exact name of the theme, but it was like, dress like you're 100 years old. And so they dressed very stereotypically. I don't know. I hope you had a great time. Anyway, I am interested to hear the things that she has said that she's learned over the past year. Like I talked about in the first two videos that I made about Milena, I've not been keeping up with her for a long time, um, but I have gone back and looked at some of her old content in preparation to cover her on my channel. And there's definitely been a pretty drastic change over the past few years from who she was at the start of her channel to how she presents herself now. And of course, as you get older and you mature, your interests are going to change. How you um, conduct yourself is going to evolve, your habits, what you're interested in, who you really want to be. All of those things hopefully are going to evolve as you get older. So there's nothing wrong with that. But Milena is playing into, um, it, it feels kind of like a trad wife cosplay. Like she's going to be wearing the dresses and minimal makeup and she's not dyeing her hair anymore. She's going to talk about submitting to her husband, but at the same time, she's not going to give up content creation and she's going to make a Bible app for kids and she's going to write her own books and put those out. And so it's, it's just interesting because there's a lot of people who um, maybe in the same vein as Milena, religion-wise, like belief system-wise, who would say that women shouldn't be teachers and women shouldn't be leaders. And I'm not saying that she's ever said that because I've never heard her say that. Um, but like people who play into or people who truly do live by what they would consider to be a traditional heterosexual marriage where the man is the breadwinner and he makes the decisions for the home and the woman um, stays home and is a homemaker and raises the kids and does those things, you know, along those lines, they might say that a woman shouldn't be teaching. It's kind of like she wants to play into the stereotypical expectations of a fundamentalist or evangelical wife while also keeping the privileges of being a content creator. She wants to enjoy that autonomy, the perks, the discounts of working with brands, people sending her things for free. You know, she's taking advantage of all of the perks that you get when you have a large online presence and a lot of followers, while at the same time telling wives that they should be behaving in a particular way, even though she's not necessarily following all of those things that she's telling other women to do. That's kind of how I see Milena's online presence. And maybe the more I watch her and the more I see from her, um, I'll have a different understanding of who she is and what her intentions are with the content that she puts out. But for me at this point, based on what I've seen, it just feels a little bit like um, there's, there's an incongruity in who she says that women should be and how women should behave compared to how she actually lives her daily life. Last year was probably one of the most transformative years of my life, and I wanted to share six of those with you. So in tribute of just turning 27, but last year being 26, I thought I would give you six. If I give you 26, you'd be a little nauseous and tired. But my goal with this is to encourage be you lot, yes. as you enter each year and that you get another year of life and on this earth that you just really reflect back and forward. And so one thing that I love to do on my birthday every single year 
there is one, sit down and look back and reflect on what happened this last year and then pray into what is coming in the next year. And so it's very interesting yeah. to see the things that I prayed for last year on my birthday come into fruition or how that all played out in the year. It's just really, really cool. And I'm so excited for my 27th year of life. So first thing, this last year was a huge year of pruning. There was so Hi. much pruning that happened this last year. It's even hard for me to count all of them. Truly, I don't feel like I've ever been pruned as much as I have this last year in many aspects. In my personal life, in like my physical home, with my children, with my friends, with what I'm consuming. In every okay. single aspect, I feel like I was pruned. And I wanted to read John 15 to you guys because it just talks about how Jesus is the true vine. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me that does not produce bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it should be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you can meet my commandments, you will abide in love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be be in you and that your joy may be full. I feel like I really got to experience what this verse if you saw me smiling while she was reading that passage, it's because I had a thought and then as soon as I had that thought, I was like, dang B, no one can win. And like you're being a massive hypocrite because in my head I was thinking, okay, I, I get it. I, I understand the um purpose of you reading this passage. You've been pruned. The Bible says that if you bear fruit, the Lord will prune you. He'll take things away. He'll cut things out. So that way you can bear even more fruit. We get it. You don't need to read this whole thing. But then I'm like, how many times have I criticized other influencers for just throwing a single verse out there and uh, not providing any more context or reading any of the verses around it? And so, um, yeah, I had that thought of like, you don't need to read this whole thing. And then I was like, you know what? it's probably better that way. I would rather have somebody read way more than necessary to get their point across from the Bible than to just take a small snippet of a verse and be like, see, this proves my point. So I, I caught myself on that one, okay? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Says in every single aspect, especially this last part, because it says that I've spoken these things 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And I feel like with all the pruning that has happened, in some cases, some people might have seen that pruning as something really hard or something really hard to let go of or X, Y, and Z. Like pruning doesn't quote unquote always feel good or something that we want. But as he finishes, there is joy and may your joy be full. And I feel like I've just really experienced this holy joy, this joy that I haven't been able to fully grasp or I haven't like joy with circumstances that quote-unquote wouldn't be joyful at all what the world would say is something that would break you or is something that can't be joyous I feel like I've been able to be okay. joy to the full because of the printing that has happened you know all right this last year was also a huge year of reprioritizing and reshuffling of my life. I feel like I just really, if you guys aren't familiar with my story, I had a miscarriage and I was 17 weeks along. So I was further along. The biggest thing that that taught me, several things obviously, but one of the biggest ones was how uncertain and how out of control I am of things. And so while I may think that I have control over a situation, I really don't. And so in order for me to kind of move on from that, and the biggest thing was, are my priorities in check? What is a priority? Because a priority is what you do. You might think that family is a priority, but really is it? You might think your faith is a priority, but like, does your life day to day reflect that? So I really had to sit down and ask myself these really hard questions of what am I doing day in and day out? What actually matters? Um, and it's actually funny enough because this conversation actually started with a new financial advisor that we had hired. He's like a wealth manager and financial advisor and all kinds of things, but he was Christian. And so the first meeting that you have with him, he actually sits you down and asks you these really five hard questions to answer. And each answer that you give, gives an indication of a specific way that you're living or how you view money and etc. And so when he sat us down and was going through these things, I really had to focus in and be like, if I had, if I were to die tomorrow, what would I be doing today? The several meetings that we even had with him alone really helped me reprioritize things because I was able to question and see where my mind was and where my priority was, where I thought are like all these different things. And so sit yourself down, ask yourself, what is currently a priority? And then reshuffle. So that's why I gave the two parts to this because it was a year of reprioritizing and then reshuffling. So once I figured out truly what is a priority for me, what I do want and what I desire to do for the Lord and his kingdom while I am on earth, then I was able to reshuffle my life and reshuffle the things that I was doing versus not doing and let that play out. And so praise the Lord for so much grace and Thank you for his wisdom. In the book of James, it tells us that if we lack wisdom to just ask and he will give it to us. Okay, James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives it generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And so I feel like I, once I was trying to figure out my Okay, um, I mean, first and foremost, I feel awfully that she experienced a miscarriage. That is so heartbreaking. I am so sorry that she and her family went through that, um, and I hope that mentally and emotionally they are healing well from it. Secondly, I think this is a good lesson. Whether or not you're religious, I do think it's important to think about what your priorities are and what you do want to accomplish in your time on earth and be like, am I doing those things daily? Like, am I contributing to this goal or to this destination that I want to arrive at at some point in the choices I'm making every day? And if not, what can I do to start pushing myself forward? So. I'm, I'm with her on this one. 
priorities, I had to really ask for wisdom. What is supposed to be my priority? What does your word say about my life and what should be my priority? What will bring you the most glory? What will expand your kingdom? I had to really ask these questions and I cannot do it. Wisdom outside of God is not wisdom. It is complete foolishness. And so I had to really ask and trust and seek what this says and then reshuffle my deck. Like I mentioned earlier, this year was a huge year of heartbreak because of the loss that we suffered. And it was one of the most testing, one of the most, all of the emotions that you could ever feel combined into one. Yeah, I bet, yeah. But during that time, I also experienced faith in a way that I've never experienced, prayer in a way I've never experienced, friendship, unity, community, fellowship. I experienced all of these things that the Lord had created in a way that I've never experienced had I not gone through the heartbreak. And sometimes we have to hit rock bottom because at the bottom, the only place to go is back up. Okay. I mean, kind of the uh, heart behind that, it sounds like is making the best out of a situation and always looking for uh, the positive impact that something that seems just insurmountable in the moment can eventually lead to if you allow yourself to look for it, to look for um, the, not not the silver lining of it, because that sounds like we're verging on the line of toxic positivity, but it's like you have this awful heartbreaking situation that no doubt was really, really hard for their family to go through. And um, I, I'm somebody who like doesn't think that you have to make something positive out of every bad thing. Like sometimes bad things just happen and it's okay for that to be a bad thing. You don't have to be like, oh, well, ultimately it worked out for the best because I learned this or I experienced this or whatever. Like sometimes bad things just happen and they suck and it's okay to be like, no, nothing good came from it. Like you, you don't have to like manipulate something or twist it to be like, oh, well, it's okay because this positive thing happened. Because I think a lot of the time when you do that, it's because somebody's asked you about something bad that you went through and they feel uncomfortable that you had that negative experience. And so I think a lot of times people will try and look for the positive thing about something awful that happened to make people feel less uncomfortable because um, it kind of gets them off the hook of having to sit with that uncomfortability. They can say like, oh, well, you went through this, but at least you got this out of it. And they want you to affirm like, yep, I got that out of it. I, yep. Um, yeah, this awful thing happened, but hey, here's the bright side of it. I think that um, it's okay for something to just be bad and to be awful and to be a terrible experience and you don't have to make it something positive. But at the same time, I do always try for the most part to look for positive things when there are negative things occurring. And so I understand where Milena's coming from um, in terms of this really heartbreaking thing happened. But overall, I can see where it led to something positive. I don't think that um, she would say like, I wouldn't change a thing. I think if she could go back and have it be different she would. I don't think she would ever choose to have experienced that, but she is making the choice to look for the positives that might have come from it. And I'm not exactly sure the details of the positives other than her saying like she's her prayer life was really um, improved and it was strengthened after going through that. And 
she was relying on God more. Maybe it brought her and her husband closer together because they were processing that grief together. Maybe it allowed her to be um, closer with people in her life because she was relying on them in a tough time. And hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking for opportunities to be grateful or to see the best in a bad situation. But I also don't think that you have to do that all the time. And it's okay if you don't do that. So I was able to rely on the Lord in a way that I hadn't been able to before. I had this really vulnerability and acceptance of what was true, what I thought was true. And so again, I had to kind of rework and reshuffle my priorities. But then I also had to really test my faith because in this moment, when we go through something, when we go through trials, when we go through that, we have the opportunity to cling on to the Lord or run away from him. And so praise the Lord. This was a moment that I feel like I truly just clung onto the feet of Jesus and just wept with him. And I have never felt such comfort like I have in this last year. We went through really, really difficult days, moments. We had to make decisions for our son that I never thought I'd have to make. We had questions to answer by the doctors. We had things to request and just making decisions that just felt so cruel to even ask and to even have to Mm -hmm. think about. I don't know how people do life without Jesus. And so this year was a year that I experienced such heartache, but also such comfort. And I truly felt like Jesus was hugging me every single day with such peace and joy and surrendering it to him. Which brings me along right into my fourth point, which is a year of surrendering, which is funny enough because that was actually my word of the year this year. I truly feel like I got to live that out. And I- Sorry, I don't have anything that's coming to my mind because I'm just thinking about how awful um, a miscarriage at 17 weeks must have been. And Melana saying like we had to make decisions that are so cruel to ask a parent to make. And I'm like getting emotional about it. Um, wow. That is just awful. But I am glad that she is able to talk about it openly and freely now. And she's saying that she felt comforted and supported and close to God throughout that. So um, I, I'm glad that that's where she appears to be emotionally and she felt like despite going through that, it did strengthen her faith in her relationship with God and she was able to take something positive out of going through that. Actually give and surrender my life to the Lord. Obviously I had done that before, but I think sometimes we withhold certain pieces of our life from him, whether that's our work or our marriage or the addiction that we might have or the sin that we really struggle with. Sometimes we withhold certain things from the Lord, but surrendering your life to the Lord means to truly give up your life and give it to him. And so we can't nitpick and choose certain pieces and little things that we're going to quote unquote surrender or not surrender it to him. So I feel like this last year was truly a year of just taking my bag what it felt like was like I was literally taking hold on I'm gonna show you because this is what it literally felt like I felt like I took my bag my bag of laundry and I literally pulled it up over my shoulder I had a whole Santa Claus ho 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 moment and I literally just gave it to him 
Okay, if you're a visual learner, there's your visual visual learning moment. That's truly what it felt like. I've had to let go of okay. certain areas that I thought I had control over. I had to have faith. My faith was tested in different ways. And I had to just really cling on to what God's word says. I think the overarching theme has been that I have just gone back to see what his word says. Because his word is true. And his word is forever and ever. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so anything that I might have a question about or anything I might be struggling with, his word already talks about it. And so I had to really cling on to it. And I feel like in regards to faith, the biggest thing, there's so much, but obviously we have the book of Hebrews. Now in Hebrews 11, it talks about all these great people and it starts off by this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it is the people of old Received their commandment. By faith, we understand that the universe is created by our God so that it is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God what was more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gift, and though his faith, he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he take him, he was commanded as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events that have yet been unseen, and reverent fear, constructed the ark for the saving of his household. By this, he's commended the world and became the heir of the righteous that comes by faith. Now, obviously, that's just like a little segment because this whole section continues on. So it's like giving different examples. It's like living and showing people in scripture that have lived by faith. And so I had to ask myself, what is faith? Is my life living in faith? What is living without faith? And how do I fix that? How can I pray for that? How can I seek what God's word says about this? And how can I ask him for faith? How can I ask him for wisdom? And clinging on to what his word says and what these people have done. By faith, Noah, you guys built a big old ark by faith. I don't think people realize that prior to the flood, it had never rained before. So when Noah said it was going to be raining, people are like, what? It even is rain, Noah. It never rained prior to that. And then they're like, what? why is Noah building a boat out here in the mountains? There's no water over here. There's no sea over here. This man, Noah, is crazy. But who does God reference here by faith? He references Noah. I have to ask myself, what kind of ark is God? I'm sorry, what? I have never heard anyone make that argument before, so that caught me completely off guard. I, I truly have never considered the concept of whether or not there was rain before the story of the Great Flood in the Bible. Okay, so my response to this is a little bit complicated because I am someone who believes that there are a lot of things in the Bible that are not meant to be taken literally or that like we don't understand the full story of. One of those things being a great flood that wiped out the whole of humanity other than Noah and his family because biologically in terms of like inbreeding, that doesn't quite make sense to me that afterwards like we would just have only people who are related repopulating the earth. It's like something's missing here, you know? Additionally, Christianity is not the only religion that has a story about a great flood. There are plenty of other religions and cultures who have a, a, 
a story or a tale that's meant to teach a moral lesson. And it basically falls along the same lines of humanity is created, humanity is wicked and evil. They are not found to be in favor with either God or a deity or a set of deities or somebody who has a mystical magical power. Um, and because of this, they decide to flood the earth, kill everyone who displeases them. But there's at least one person or a family who has found favor in the eyes of the person sending the flood. They are spared and then they repopulate the earth, basically. So Christianity is not the only religion that has a story similar to the story of Noah. And like I've said, I am someone who is open to the idea that there are a lot of things presented in the Bible that we read as historical fact today that may have been included in order to teach us lessons. They might not be literal stories of things that actually physically happened, which again, like, so God flooded the entire earth, killed everyone except for Noah and his family, and then they were instructed to repopulate the earth. I believe in miracles, but I think it is highly likely that there is an element of um, metaphor to that story. Anyway, the point of all that is that I did just spend a few minutes Googling if it had ever rained before the great flood in the Bible. And um, I read like a, just a few different articles. I kind of browsed them quickly. And the general consensus is that while um, the Bible never explicitly mentions rain prior to the, the great flood, it's a little bit presumptuous to assume that there was never any rain. And there's nothing in the Bible that... Um, like concretely, factually says this was the first instance of rain ever. So anyway, if that's what Milena believes, that's fine. Um, whether or not it rained on earth prior to the story of the great flood is not really an essential of Christianity. It's not something that uh, goes against anything that we like believe to be true about God or Jesus or salvation. So while it's definitely something that's odd to me, and I don't think I could ever see myself believing that way, if that's what Milena believes, okay. Currently asking me to build that seems impossible, that seems crazy, that seems just so ludicrous to the world. And am I building that ark? Or am I running away like Jonah and then getting swallowed up by a fish? You know, number five is probably the one I'm the most um, convicted about because it is okay. very difficult to do this one. And that is refining, specifically refining the tongue. Now my tongue, just like the Bible says, my tongue was something hard to control, had a mind of its own, but the tongue also has the power to hold life and death. Just like a horse, the piece that goes in its mouth, you are able to control this giant beast just with this small little thing. Same with our tongue. And so this year was a year that the Lord really, really had to refine my tongue because it was like just spiraling out of control. I just said what I wanted to say whenever I wanted to say it. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, sustaining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a ruthless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things not ought to be so. Does a spring water 
pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt? Can a fig, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt produce a salt pond yield fresh water. So I have to really just cling onto this and ask the Lord to help me bridle my tongue, to help me use it for good and to use it wisely. I have to really ask the Lord because he says that a gentle and quiet spirit is pleasing to him. Meekness. I have to really cling onto what it means to be gentle, what it means to be meek, what it means to use your, your tongue in a soft way. Proverbs, if you want to be convicted about your tongue, just open up Proverbs because it talks a lot about a lying tongue. Okay, literally just open it. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is for a moment. The wise of heart will receive commandment, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever winks an eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceal violence. It talks so much about being a fool and just talking and talking and not being wise with your words, not using it to speak life over people, to not use it for the glory of God. And so I was just so humbly assured that what I was and how I was using my tongue was not wise. And so I had to just really ask the Lord to help me refine my tongue. Okay, the last... Something that I've been thinking about throughout this video is that she's speaking very broadly about these lessons that she has learned. And I just wonder if it would be more helpful for her to give examples. I mean, maybe she is being broad in order to um, allow what she's saying to like appeal to the widest audience it can, where it's like, it, you don't have to have this one specific experience that we share in order for you to find this valuable. It can just be something that a lot of people can relate to. And maybe that's why she's being broad. But I just want to know what she means by like taming her tongue. What was she doing before that she's not doing now? Does it have to do with the language she uses, the way that she speaks, the tone of her voice? Like what, what does it mean to say that I tamed my tongue? Does that mean that you don't swear? Does that mean that you are thinking before you speak. If you're upset, you take five minutes to go calm yourself down before you engage in a conversation. Like really, what does it look like to tame a tongue? I just wonder if it would be more helpful for the people who watch Milena if she gave some specific examples. Not for everything. She doesn't have to like go into all of her dirty laundry. But if she's on here being like, these are things that I've learned through my life experiences then it would probably be good to share a, a little bit more about those life experiences. And I do know that she shared about having the miscarriage. Obviously, that is an incredibly personal thing for her to have shared. And I, um, I'm i sure that there are a lot of people in her audience who um, maybe feel like they're not so alone because maybe they've been through something similar. And so they can relate to her with that. But again, um, when she said, like, my prayer life was better and I felt like the Lord was hugging me, maybe we can lean into, well, what did your prayer life look like before and what changes did you make? How did it improve? What new um, habits did you implement? Just stuff like that might be a, a positive thing to include in videos like this. Last thing that I did this year was question everything. 
I feel like I've always been one to kind of question why things are done, how things are done. Should we continue doing this? Has this worked in the past? Why hasn't it worked? What can we do to change it? And I feel like this year I really started to do that. As you guys know, we started implementing Sabbaths this year and those have drastically changed our life so much. And it just goes to show that what God's word says is true. And that was one of the 10 commandments. And so I was questioning like, why didn't we do this before? How do we do this in a way that is actually really productive and helpful and fruitful and is a time that we can spend in worship. Another thing is this year was a year that I really started to question my like spending habits. I stopped getting my nails done this year as you guys know and it's been 11 months which is so crazy because I had gone several years with nails constantly on and I was always willing and okay to spend over $100 getting my nails done but then I wasn't willing to spend $100 like on a high quality dress that was cotton and ethically made and was great value and so I really had to question and ask myself like why was I okay with spending $100 on nails that will come off will pop right off will break is just literally a nail that will like doesn't hold much value but I wasn't okay to spend it on a dress and so I had to like kind of rework that I had to ask myself like why do our fabrics I feel like I've seen her link so many different dresses and clothing pieces from Amazon on a base level I understand what she's saying and I agree with the fact that having your nails done in the grand scheme of things really doesn't matter and if you're willing to spend a hundred bucks on something that's gonna last maybe two weeks but you're not willing to invest in high quality ethically made pieces maybe you do need to like reevaluate that priority but I'm like a lot of her clothes are from Amazon she has an Amazon storefront that she links to pretty frequently even if you go on her website there's a link to her amazon storefront so let's not pretend like you stopped getting your nails done and now you only buy sustainable fashion like come on this is the kind of stuff i'm talking about when i say cosplaying if you decide that you don't want to spend the money to get your nails done anymore that's fine if you're somebody who doesn't even like having your nails done in the first place that's fine you don't have to do it but if you like having your nails done but you don't want to spend $100 every two weeks on it, there's a happy medium. You don't have to like cosplay as a martyr for Christ by giving up doing your nails. You can buy kits to do them at home. You can paint your nails at home. You can get um, like these. I always have press on, well, glue on nails that I do at home. I don't know the last, I do know the last time. Mother's Day 2021 is the last time that I went and got my nails done because I went with my mom and my sisters and I got a pedicure. Anyway, the point is there's a happy medium here. If she's happy not having her fingernails done and she feels like that aligns with who she is and what she wants to do and she feels better without having anything on her fingernails, fine. But you don't have to go from like a hundred bucks every two weeks to absolutely nothing and those are the only choices you have. I constantly have glue on nails on. These are from Amazon. You can get a packet with like six different colors for nine bucks and that's affordable. That's something that aligns with a lot of people's budgets. Anyway, this is just another thing where the words don't match the actions because she's sitting here being like, I gave this up. I felt so convicted to give it up because why would it be okay to spend this much money on my nails, but not that much money on something that was ethically sourced and cotton and high quality. All the while, she's constantly promoting Amazon. We've got a lot of green going on here, but 
it's Christmas time, so I guess it fits. Have the type of materials in the, in there that they have. Why? Like, I don't know. I, I just was really questioning a lot of the way that my thought patterns and the way that I was going through life, the girl math that I was like doing subconsciously. And I feel like through that, I learned a lot. And so I'm trying to think of a boot that looks cute. And so with that has also bared a lot of fruit because I've been able to figure out, so I don't know, I feel like it, that has been super fruitful as well. And so always just question habits and the way that you do things, the way you think of things. But yeah, that is what I learned in my 26 year of life. I'll update you guys in a year to see what I learned in my 27. Be blessed. Okay. Alright, so we have arrived at the end of Milena's video, which means mine is now going to be coming to a close as well. I hope you enjoyed today's reaction, and I would love to hear any thoughts that you had about what she said, what I said, uh, what kind of content you want to see in the future. It seems like there are a lot of people who enjoy me doing uh, reactions to Milena, and so if you want to keep seeing those on my channel, definitely let me know. I would love to hear any thoughts that you would want to share, and you can do so by leaving a comment in the comment section if you are watching this on YouTube or by responding to the Q&A if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify. And while you're doing that, if you would consider liking this video or subscribing to my channel or leaving the podcast a rating or a review, that would be incredible. And if you've done any of those things already, thank you so much. I am so appreciative of you and I love being able to just sit here, hang out with you and talk about whatever. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Please be kind to people and I will see you in the next one. Bye.